Welcome to Inside Groove, the only motorsports show where super modifieds are king. Methanol is aromatic and the drivers carry their balls in a bag. Inside Groove is powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace and communications industries. Here's your host and fellow superholic, Tom Baker. Hello and welcome to the Inside Groove Super Modified Podcast. My name is Tom Baker. I am the host of the show. And it is the week before the week before Classic. and uh, Or the week before Classic Week. It is post-championship week. The championships at the Oswego Speedway have been decided. A great night of racing Saturday night. We mostly got away with... Uh, clean racing, not a ton of damage, a couple of mild surprises in terms of a driver who we didn't expect to show up, showed up in a car that we wouldn't have expected him to show up in. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, again, we crowned champions. We had some great on track racing and now everybody has a couple of weeks just to sort of get ready for the 67th annual Bub Weiser International Classic Weekend coming up at the Oswego Speedway on Labor Day weekend. And we'll talk about all of that in subsequent shows. This is episode 125, and we are going to do at least one, if not two more, what we call regular shows between now and Classic. But We've also got, I've also got a couple of kind of specials, I guess, I guess I want to call them, um, that we'll have coming up for you too. So we're going to do, we're going to do some, some content, probably do some written content as well, articles, things like that. Um, and that's all tying into something that, um, that, that I've been blessed enough to be able to become a part of that we'll be talking about as well. And um, it's just going to, we're, 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 we're building a community. Finally, the, the, the dream that I've had for three years is finally happening and not in the way I expected it to. It, it's amazing how God works sometimes. Um, but we'll get to all that. I want to start this opening segment and this may go a little long, but I was doing some reading from 50 years ago, 1973, right? Um, some of the programs and the classic yearbook. And I happened to come across something that I thought would be fun to sort of look at in terms of what's going on now. It's interesting how sometimes the past kind of informs us of what could be the future. And so the current conversation around what do we need to change? What's wrong with the supers? What's what needs to be done is already producing. Apparently there was a meeting on Saturday of drivers with, I guess, track officials. I don't know who else besides Oswego Speedway's, uh, 
you know, officials was involved, if anybody. But I know that um, what I'm hearing is that there were a lot of drivers there. And, and Jeff Abold had talked to me off mic um, about the fact that there may be some changes coming to the cars for next year. And Mike Bruce, I think, thought, you know, was under that same impression that, that we may make some mild changes, nothing drastic, but some mild changes to try to just... Um, you know, to, to, to make for more passing or whatever. So (laughs) it's funny how, again, if you look back, sometimes there's parallels. So in, um, this is volume 18 of the 1973 season, Oswego Speedway Eagle. This is back when we had obviously had programs and, some of you listening to this may not even know that Oswego Speedway used to do weekly programs. They were a buck, <laughs> like so cheap back then. Um, and so in this program, there was a, I came across an open letter from Speedway management to drivers, owners, mechanics, and fans. And I thought this was really interesting in light of kind of, if you think about the progression of the evolution of the super modified class since then there, there is some really interesting language and phrasing in here that I thought was, was kind of informative and instructive. So I'm just going to read this to you and then we can have some conversation about it. Again, this opening segment is going to go on a little long. I apologize, but I I really want to get this out there because I think it's uh, it's good food for discussion. So here it is. The it, there is a picture that goes with the article by the way of Nolan Swift's modified Sportsman 10 pins from back in 1961 and then a picture of that same car in 1972 when it was being run by Ron Madison minus the body. Okay, so you might know some of you that have been around long enough are going to know where this is going but Just listen to this. Again, this is from management, track management, to drivers, owners, mechanics, and fans. Last Sunday evening before the start of the first event, they had a rain out. That's why it was Sunday night. Last Sunday evening before the start of the first event, Bob Stilter assembled a group of drivers and car owners to discuss the converted modified sportsman cars competing here at the Oswego Speedway. Minutes after this meeting, car owner Ron Buckner, who owned the 36 that Stelter drove, lodged a formal protest against the car 78 of Gary Reichert, contending that he, Reichert, was in violation of car specification rule 13 of the 1973 Oswego Speedway official ruling, which reads as follows. Chassis extension, parentheses width, Between front and rear tires only, which includes engine protrusions, oil tanks, oil coolers, fuel tanks, engine radiators, may extend out six inches beyond the inside dimension of the tires. This includes exhaust pipes and nerfing bars. Never heard them called nerfing bars before. Nerfing bars, which may extend out farther and also excludes any body panels, which may not exceed the inside dimension of the tires on all sides. 
This infraction should have been caught sooner by the track management, but it wasn't, and we take full blame for this. The car 91 of Joe McGarry was disqualified by management last Sunday for the same infraction. Riker and McGarry both had cars at the time that would run as modified sportsmen, or what we know today as modifieds. And But then they would take the top off them, the body off them, and run them as supers. Basically, they're running the chassis as a super. Now, Bob Stelter, Nolan Swift, and Fred Graves, representing the drivers and car owners, met with Speedway Management after last Sunday's program and asked that the converted modified sportsman cars as a whole not be allowed to compete here with the super modifieds. The basic reason that they gave was that the cars were too big and clumsy and too heavy, thereby setting up a dangerous situation. The management's reply to this situation is quite straightforward. Now listen to this, because again, words mean things. Language is interesting here. This is the management's response to the driver's request to basically outlaw converted modified sportsman cars um, from competing with the Supers. Here we go. This is the management's response. Any car which can meet each and every car specification in the 1973 Super Modified Rulebook must and shall be allowed to compete as a Super Modified car. Must and shall. There's no gray area here. Any car that can meet each and every specification in the 73 season rulebook must and shall be allowed to compete as a super modified. We management cannot arbitrarily say that if a car competes as a modified sportsman sprint car, championship car, late model car, even a go-kart on another night that it can't compete here in the super modified class and this next two-word phrase is underlined. Even though it meets every car specification, this is discrimination in the highest degree. The modified sportsman class has reached a plateau where tubular frames are now being used. The suspension systems of the modified and the supers are very similar. The engines and rear ends are basically the same. Again, this is 1973. The basic difference we have is the full body of the modified along with clutch and transmission. If one sets out to build one car with the idea of competing in both the super modified class and the modified sportsman class, and he can meet the specifications of both classes, then he should be allowed to compete in both. One point that the drivers had, which merits investigation, is the weight differentials among cars that meet all of our current supermodified rules. So now the management has stated in this response so far that if, if you have a car, it doesn't matter what you call the car or what else the car competes as, if you have a car that can meet Every rule specification in the 1973 Super Modified Rulebook, they have to allow you to compete. So now what we're doing 
is the drivers now have brought up weight differentials and we're leading to a safety consideration here. But notice that management has established the rules aren't gray, they're black and white. Here they are. If the car meets them, then at the moment, we have to allow them to compete. One point that the drivers had, which merits investigation, is weight differentials among cars that meet all of our current supermodified rules. An extreme weight difference between a super light, very light, rear engine and a converted modified sportsman could prove to be a potentially dangerous situation. Here again, the man with the very light car is just as much away from the normal as the man with the very heavy car. In other words, here's the rule book. If you've got an ultralight rear engine car, you're as far left of center as the converted modified car is far right because you're way lighter than normal and he's or she way heavier, right? On September 15th, the last race of the season for the supermodifieds, each and every supermodified car will be weighed to establish some data for study. Perhaps it would behoove us to place a maximum and a minimum weight on the cars that can compete for the supermodified class. Now listen to this. Now, the response continues. If it's a question of the actual competition, posed by the converted sportsman cars that's bothering some of the regular Oswego competitors, then this problem is going to rear its ugly head every time someone comes in here with a new idea that works. Maybe the next time it will be on the other end of the spectrum, a light, expensive car, and we won't want to run against them either. So remember what the super modifieds, here we go. This is the phrase that pays right here, Okay. Pay attention to the wording here. This is a very, very interesting phrase. This was written directly by management in response to this particular issue, but check this out. Remember what the supermodifieds at Oswego stand for. It's a run what you brung class. And if you've got the smarts to put something together that works, and you meet all the specifications and you drive with respect for your fellow competitors. We don't compare. We don't care if you compete in the Indy 500 with that car on Friday and bust little old ladies around the city of Syracuse with it on Sundays. You're a bonafide super modified competitor on Saturday. And if there is a competitor that doesn't want to race with you, then he doesn't belong with the supers at Oswego. The end. In 1973, supermodifieds at Oswego were a run what you brung class. It's in writing that in 1973, the Oswego Speedway's management team stipulated with no uncertainty this was a run what you brung class. Obviously, what happened is they did end up doing, uh, I think, both a minimum and a maximum. I think there's a maximum, maybe not. Um, but there, there were some things put in place where uh, those cars went away. The converted modifieds went away. Nobody, nobody did it after, I think, 74, actually, was the last um, 
Yeah, because Riker ran the convertible in in 74 because I think that was the year he won the Port City with it Uh, and then finished like fifth with it as a super. He won as a modified and finished fifth as a super. So um, they actually somehow that that concept continued for another year before. And I don't know if they ever explicitly banned them, but just nobody so I I would love to have someone uh, somewhere in the chat here for this show. I would love to have someone kind of explain what happened after that meeting in this subsequent letter. What happened? Did, was, did, was there a minimum weight, a maximum weight? You know, what happened? Because I know, like I said, Riker competed for at least part of another year and won. He won the 73 modified 200 with his car as a modified competed with it in the classic. And then in 74 won the port city 150. I think that was the first time they ran the port city 150. I think that was year one of it. I think did Jimmy, I think it was Jimmy that won the super race that year, but Gary, Gary won as a modified in the same day. He raced his super finish in the top five. But then they built the newer Super Modified that was a super-only car. That was the one with the big blower on it. <laughs> it was That was a crazy-looking thing, but it was cool. And, th- and that was kind of the thing. The Super Modified's big appeal in those days was it basically was, you might as well have called it an open class. It was whatever you could dream up pretty much. There were sprint cars. There were X Indy roadsters, X Indy rear engine cars. Uh, there were side engine cars, rear engine cars, four wheel drives. It was truly an innovative class. It was the most, I believe the most open class in short track racing. And you had all kinds of things being tried. Now, I mean, we can argue safety or whatever, but just the point being is back then, Oswego Speedway was absolutely clear that super modifieds are a run what you brung class. And so now as we start thinking about that particular letter, in volume 18 of the Eagle from 1973. And you start then tracing the evolution of the class management did at some point started to make some decisions that it wasn't a run what you brung class, right? First it was, four-wheel drives. Now, I'm leaving all the safety uh, changes out of this conversation because obviously we all want to be as safe as we can, right? So I'm not talking safety here. I'm just talking about the car design and and the the sort of box that you get to play in. First, it was four-wheel drives. After 1976, they said, they're out. No more four-wheel drives. Then three years later, all rear engines car, cars went end of 79 gone. So you now can't have four wheel drive. You can't have a rear engine. So then 
that basically, I would argue that I'm not sure if the four-wheel drive concept killed the run what you brung idea, but the rear engine car ban did. So within six years or seven years of saying, as long as it meets with the rules, it doesn't matter what it is. We're, we're letting it run because supers are run what you brung. They decided to start making it less so. And when you kill that concept, you kill innovation. And when you kill innovation, you end up with one thing that everybody has that's very close to the same. And when you do that and something goes wrong in terms of the racing or performance or whatever, now what you're discussing is what we're discussing this year going into next year. You're just discussing how to take what we have and tweak it you end up discussing little changes that can be made that you hope will improve passing and to make racing better somehow. So I'm not having an opinion here or I'm not doing this to, I just thought it was fascinating. I, I, that letter was so clear and they sort of managed that discussion I thought extremely well because they they were clear that they were not interested in at that time anyway they weren't interested in limiting what a super could be but that within that box there were things like weight for example that if that were a safety consideration then you know we needed to we 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 may need to look at that that's a different thing you know if somebody's going to bring in a tank to run against, you know, an aluminum car, right? Um, it, that kind of thing. You, you just and and I remember Mike Rizzo had a modified back then that was really old, um, giant, big old coupe of some sort, and boy, that thing looked like a, a, a tank. It 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 looked like if if it hit you. You know, if that hit a Pinto, you know, <laughs> so I get that part of it. So it's just, it's just fascinating to look back and, and not only to see them really emphasize the run what you run part in 73, but then to see how quickly they started to back off from that and, um, and to see where we are now, it, it's, it's, it's really, really intriguing. And then I thought it was fascinating. So, um, It'll be fun to see what they come up with for next year. The drivers, the one thing I love is that the drivers all seem to, or at least it sounds from what I'm hearing, that the drivers all seem to agree that something needs to happen. You know, but it, but it, anybody who's looking for anything major in terms of change in design is probably going to be disappointed because that's that's not likely. So with that, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we are going to have Dave Schillick Jr. Camden Proud is going to be joining us later on as well to help us kind of wrap up championship week and update on what's going on for Classic. Um, And then we'll have what's in the number, which is in this case, the number 25. Um, 
that's not an oft-used number, I feel like. But, again, there's some interesting stories there somewhere. So we're going to find them when we come back on the Inside Groove. Track champion Dave Schillick Jr. joins us right after this. Experience the age-old Irish hospitality at LaGroff's Pub and Grill, Oswego's premier local spot to grab a cold one and cheer on your favorite sports teams. Stop in for an ice-cold beer alongside some exceptional pub fare. Burgers, wings, chicken sandwiches, Philly cheesesteaks, soups, and more. You want it, they've got it, served up with more than 40 years of awesome customer service. Have a friendly game of darts against players from across the world. That's right, players from across the world. Where else? In Oswego, can you go to play darts against somebody from across the world? That's crazy. Watch the games on their eight big screen TVs or just relax at Oswego's Neighborhood Bar and Grill, LaGroff's Pub, 187 East 10th Street in Oswego. Check them out on LaGroff's.com. It's time now for our championship interview with 2023 Novella Supermodified's track champion, Dave Schulich Jr. And uh, Dave, first of all, congratulations on the championship. We'll get to uh, your situation and and the classic and all that in a moment. But uh, let's talk about the championship a bit first. This was a, a season that I think a lot of us thought you could win a whole mess of races and what instead ended up happening is you didn't win a whole mess of races, but you were the most consistent car in the field. Talk a little bit about that, uh, uh, because I, I think a lot of us were, were thinking you were going to come out and knock the lights out this year, and it just didn't happen that way. Yeah, I mean, I think we had a great race car most of the year. I think we came out of the box really strong. And then a few rate. Well, we lost one earlier in the year. Um, we would have had three, but we broke right at the very end of leading a race. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, and then we had a couple races where we got off a little bit. We just were a little bit too tight. Um, couldn't really figure out what what we were missing, and we re- really were a little hesitant to change off of what we had been so good at, um, what we had done so well early in the year. Yeah. Um, and then it, it got to a point where we had to kind of evolve and, and make some changes and. Um, we did a few of those, um, and I think it was, uh, two races ago, it was the twin forties. And actually the first race is the race that I got in my little, uh, I called a jingle in the first race. Um, and then the second race we started 13th and finished second. So I knew that we had definitely gained ground on the car. Yep. Um, and then even this past Saturday, even though we didn't race when I was out in practice and, um, qualifying and stuff, the car's outstanding. So, um, you know, if, if we end up getting it out there with me or whoever else would be in it, I think the car is going to be um, going to be a, a potential threat to win it for sure. OK, so I guess um, that leads us naturally to talk about your injury and, and the wreck a little bit. You know, I was saying to you before we hit the button here to record that the accident really didn't seem to be any big deal um but it doesn't take much especially when you start involving your hand or your wrist or your fingers in a steering wheel and an impact and the wheel snaps or does something funky um and it sounds like maybe that's you're thinking that's kind of what happened here walk us through 
what what the wreck was and what you think happened and and tell us about the injury and what your situation is at this moment yeah i mean i it was just a fluke deal i've hit stuff so much harder over my career and yeah. been totally fine uh you know, I, I, Danzer and Tim Schneider kind of got together and backed up. And then when that happened, I bumped the back of Danzer. But when I did, I turned to the right to miss Danzer and I, it hit the inside of the right front. And when it did that, I think it pushed the right front to the right, which snapped the wheel up into my, my left hand. Ah. Um, and ultimately it ended up breaking my ring finger. Um, and I came to a stop on the inside in, 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 as I came into the infield and I couldn't get my hand off the wheel. And when I looked down, my finger was bent crooked. Ooh. And I actually straightened the finger up and took it off the wheel. And that's when I knew that I was like, this isn't good. You know, I mean, um, you know, and then I didn't know how bad the car, I didn't even really look at the car. I went right back to the, the garage or the pick, uh, trailer. And I was sitting in the trailer and I told him, just get the car together. I'll figure out how to drive it. Like, I'm in a lot of pain. I'll take some Advil, take the damn thing up and i'll be good and i honestly the car wasn't that bad that which i didn't even know at the time but they they had to you know put a new front nose wing on it change the wheel right front wheel um you know and it was pretty much ready to go and then what i did is i taped my finger to my pinky okay and drove with my palm on my left hand and i was able to do that i started 13th we ended up finishing second the car was outstanding um and i was able to do that somewhat comfortably uh in the car um, and then fast forward. So that happened on Saturday, Sunday night. I went to the emergency room when I got home and they confirmed the, the finger was broken. I was in a hand specialist on Monday and had surgery on Wednesday to repair it. Um, oh. so they put two pins in the top of my hand, um, to pin the finger, um, straight, not straight, but the bet where the, where the, the fracture is. Yeah. Um, so I have, pins in there now that it's making it extremely uncomfortable and that and that's honestly my biggest challenge is the pins not necessarily fractured finger at this point um because when i move my other fingers it moves the pins so it's a little bit on the painful side ah. um so that that and i have some swelling in my hand and things like that so long story short i tried this weekend wasn't able to do it um i knew in the first hot lap wasn't great um couldn't get my hand on the wheel very much um, made some modifications to the steering wheel, was a little better in the second hot lap session. And ultimately, after time trials, once we had it locked up, I, I felt like it was best to um, call it and, and give myself another couple weeks to heal. Um, since that time, I've been doing everything possible to continue to, to, to heal it. Um, Irish Saunders was actually at the track this past weekend and hooked me up with Dr. Trammell from IndyCar. Oh, okay, yeah. So, I have been texting with Dr. Trammell all day. Um, I actually might be making a trip out to Indy for him to, to look at it um, maybe by the end of the week. Oh, wow. So um, I'm seeing my doctor tomorrow. Where I'm, I'm doing absolutely everything that I can do to, to get it ready. Um, and I'll be the first to know whether I can do it or not. And uh, if I can do it, then outstanding. We'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll, we'll be good. And if not, then, um, you know, we'll have to talk to Chris and, um, you know, he'll have to make a decision to put somebody else in the car, which I totally support. And I'll be right there to help whoever that is. So it, that's kind of the last two weeks <laughs> in a nutshell, Man. but, um, yeah, so it's, uh, it's been a, been a little bit of a ride here. It's what's crazy is when I look at your career, I mean, you lost a classic in the worst, most sort of painful possible way. Then you turn around, you've won two. 
and now you you go you you go to win the track championship and you basically win it by not racing with a broken finger you know which is it's just strange how things happen sometimes but that's how good of a season you had that you didn't even have to run this last points race to be able to win the championship it's it's um it's it sometimes the 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 circumstances of life are just um are are just kind of amazing to think about but you've you've really accomplished a lot uh especially you know in in the last decade in the super modified division you've got an Oswego track championship you've got classic wins um you know what what do you look at in terms of maybe you know going forward for 2024 are you are you um have you made up your mind to come back to Oswego or are you still kind of thinking about things or where are you for next year? No, I mean, I'll, 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 I mean, I say this loosely, but I'll probably finish my career at Oswego. I, uh, I really enjoy racing there. Um, Great. I like the team that I race for. Couldn't, it couldn't be any better. Couldn't it be a, be a better group of people. And, um, I like what I'm doing. My family likes what I'm doing. There's no reason to change, change that. Um, you know, Oswego is just a, a great place to race and, um, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, definitely, definitely keep it the same. So I don't, I don't see any changes there. So. Very good. Well, that's, that's great to hear. And, you know, we're all pulling for you obviously to get healthy for classic, but you know, it's, it's tough. I mean, I can't even imagine, like, I don't know, I don't know how you sort of rush a recovery from an injury like that. You know, I don't know if there are exercises or things that you can do, but I guess, uh, I mean, I, I've heard nothing but amazing things about Dr. Trammell. So I would feel like if anybody could, um, could get you in the right position to be able to go, uh, go try to win another classic in two weeks, it would be him. Yeah. I mean, I, the way I look at it is he's dealt with a lot more, uh, a lot worse things than my finger. He's put people's feet back together. That's so, for sure. Um, yeah. he, he's a, he's a great guy. Like I said, he's been texting me all day and, uh, you know, you wouldn't know that, you know, he's as big a deal as he is. So, um, you know, he's been very helpful and, um, we'll see where that goes, but ultimately I'm going to, like I said, do everything that I can to, to be ready. And, um, you know, whether I, 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 to this point, don't even know if I can do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, we'll just see, we'll just see how it has to go and how the next week and a half plays out. And, um, you know, we'll just figure it out as we go. So. Well, I know you've got a lot of people that have helped you to make this championship possible. Uh, so I'm going to give you as much time as you need. Go ahead and thank whomever you'd like. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, Chris Osetic and Brian Osetic for all the, the work that they put in. I mean, if anybody knew what the how hard Chris worked over the winter to, to make some changes and try to make the car better, and we absolutely did that. Um, the car has um, been really, really good. I mean, we started... 10th or 12th every race this week or every year every race this year and uh was able to drive to the front most of them um brian works on the car during the week and the entire crew comes over and supports it you know that's it's it's definitely a group effort um you know our sponsors tj toyota at close um we couldn't do what we do without him um he's a huge sponsor and a huge partner um comes to the races all the time and he was i was texting with him a little bit today and um, you know, he's, uh, pulling for me to, to make it. So, sure. uh, make it to the classic anyway. So, um, you know, and then we got Riverwalk, Oswego, Holiday and Express, um, you know, two, again, two huge partners of ours that, uh, help us out and, and things like that. So, 
um, you know, all the partners, the crew, the wives, uh, my wife, Katrina, you know, for letting me do this. And she wasn't, she wasn't, uh, definitely wasn't, um, too excited about me trying to race last weekend, but, um, had to, uh, go out and prove it to myself one way or the other. So, um, but, uh, she's super supportive and, uh, you know, I'm thankful to have her. Well, um, man, Dave, congratulations on the championship. Uh, it was quite a season for you this year. I know that you're gonna, you're gonna go to any length that you have to go to, to, uh, try and get yourself ready to go compete for 200 laps of the classic. I also know that you will know, uh, what the wisest decision is. And, and, uh, cause I know that you would, um, and I'm sure this is a consideration of yours that you would want, you know, the car to have the best chance and Chris and the crew to have the best chance to win. And if you don't think you could go, you'd obviously rather see someone else in it. Absolutely. And that's what I told Chris. I was like, uh, we actually were talking about the other day in the shop. I was like, Hey, if I can't make it, we're going to put somebody else in the car. And I was like, Hey, we were talking. I was like, absolutely. We're going to put somebody else in this car. This car is too good not to be out there. I was like, you know, I'll be there to support it. Nobody knows that car better than I do when it comes to race day. Um, you know, that, that car absolutely will, will be up front regardless of who it ends up in it. So, um, you know, either way, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to classic. I'm looking forward to coming up and, uh, getting that static 95 up front. Now, will you have a say uh, if it comes to that, do you think, and who goes in the car? Is that basically something you would leave up to Chris? Uh, we've tossed around a few ideas, a few people that we've, we've discussed back and forth. I think Chris values my opinion. I know what the car can do and, or what, it, what it's special at. What I, that's what I like to refer to it as. Yeah. And, um, who's driving style would fit best. And um, Like I said, we've tossed, tossed around a few ideas, and uh, ultimately I want to put somebody in that can win the race. So, um, you know, that's, that's kind of where that's at. So, um, you know, that decision would probably come middle and earlier, middle of next week, if that's the direction we end up going. Well, uh, we'll be waiting with bated breath. I'd obviously love to see you out in it and we'd hate to see you miss, but, um, you know, either way, we know that we'll, we'll have the car there and you'll, you're there, uh, and you're gonna, your support, I'm sure will help whomever goes in it. So, uh, always fun to talk to you dave and um you know congratulations on the championship and hate that you you kind of had to win it under these circumstances and couldn't race it out but um you know hopefully this next week and a half or so will be uh good news for you and you'll be able to get yourself in position to go around the classic but either way uh we'll be talking to you again down the road and once again congratulations on a great season and uh you know, hopefully we'll at least maybe see you back in the car for an Isma show or something this year. If not, then you'll be back ready to, to rock in 24 again. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, you know, whether we, I run classic or not, my plan would be to be at Evans mill as long as I'm able to do that. Good. And, uh, you know, so I, you know, we're looking forward to Evans mills cause TJ Toad is a big sponsor yeah. up there and, um, it's a, it's a big deal for us to be there. So looking forward to that. And, uh, other than that, uh, I'll see everybody at classic. Sounds good. Thanks, Dave. That is Dave Schillick Jr. back with more of The Groove right after this. Okay, folks, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors here on Inside Groove, Indie Performance Composites. They're a premier composite design and manufacturing company creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Jeff West and his team are amazing. 
They do all kinds of work in the motorsports industry from dirt tracks to NASCAR to IndyCar, super modifieds. It doesn't matter. If you've got something that you need designed or fabricated, let them help you transform your idea, your vision, and your budget into a workable, high-performance solution. They have all kinds of services from 3D printing to finishing services. End-to-end composite solutions is what they are. Check them out, ipcindy.com or indieperformancecompositesinc.com and tell them that the folks from Inside Groove set you. Welcome back to the show. It is time for Camden Proud to join us again. And uh, this is the first time I think I've had Cam on in two consecutive shows in quite a while. Um, it's uh, between the two of our schedules. It's hard for us to, to meet up anymore. But uh, Cam, great to have you back. And it was a bit of a surprise. Um, it's getting so one never knows which car we're going to see you in on Saturday nights. But um, I suspect that uh, maybe there was something with a super that you just didn't have time to get it ready. So you decided to hop back into the SBS for the night and actually had a pretty good run. Talk about your evening. Then we'll get to the rest of it. Sure. Yeah. That was more or less the case. It's not necessarily the way we want to do things where it's Friday night and we're throwing the SBS together at 10 o'clock, but uh, just more or less, we came up a day or two short on the super. It could have went on the ground Friday night. Um, but we just didn't want to rush it, honestly. Uh, we had to set the bump steer, and that can take five minutes to to five hours. hours. Yeah. And by the end of all that, my dad was just burned out. It had been a long couple of weeks, and because it's a one-off car, he literally machined the entire front end and made all those parts by hand, put oh, it wow. back together uh, completely by himself. So he's he's wiped. Uh, the car's getting ready to grow, to go down on the ground right now, and then we'll do some testing classic week and come out with a super uh, not sure about the small block still yet, but that was fun. It was a decent run, not really the finish I wanted, but cool to set fast time and had a fun little drive from seventh to third in the heat. And I think we would have had a tenth to maybe fourth or fifth in the in the feature there, but just got held up on a restart. So that that wasn't really the night we were looking for. Well, it was still fun to watch, and uh, like I said, good to see out there running the SBS a little bit. Um, okay, so it was championship night. I got to tell you, we got to start with the Supers first because I was saying in the open, that feature was just so freaking exciting. I I wanted to see Louie get it, um, you know, just because who doesn't love first-time winners and, and Louie and Louie have been such faithful supporters of the division, had such bad luck um, over, over the time they've been in it. Um, and, you know, actually thought he had a shot, but uh, of course he just kind of got overpowered. Uh, Tyler made kind of a holy crap move on the top to, to get around him. But that race was a really, really interesting race. It was great. I would call it the race of the year, uh, excitement yeah. and entertainment wise in the super modified division. And uh, what's cool is that Tyler came from 11th to get up there and really just, Drove like an animal, uh, yeah. muscled his way through the pack, and uh, he's he's fearless. Some of the moves that he made the first time he went underneath Jeff Abel in turn one, I couldn't believe the run he got on the bottom. And that car is just so good; it, it crawls along the bottom and is able to hug the hub rail so well. And 
Uh, he just builds so much corner speed. So uh, really entertaining, really exciting, great drive. But I'd be lying if I didn't tell you I wasn't cheering like crazy for the for the 83. I really wanted to see him get one. Yeah, I think uh, I think all of us would have liked to have seen Louis win. Nothing against Tyler, of course, but um, you just love to to see the first time winners. But that was really uh, a good race. Uh, Jeff Abel ran pretty well. Um, you know that Timmy Snyder had a good run. I mean, it was neat to it was neat to see some of those guys run well, and um, for the most part, we kind of got away with. Um, you know, without a, a, a ton of damage, I hope that, um, you know, nobody's going to be kept from the classic by any of the incidents we had the other night, or at least that I saw, uh, you know, but um, it nonetheless, great race. And, and of course, uh, we just talked to Dave Schulich um, and uh, he'll be on the show before you. And we know what Dave's situation is. And, the, and he, you know, he gave it a try the other night, but just didn't feel like he could do it. And he had wrapped up the championship. So he aired on the safe side, which is obviously smart. Um, so tough not seeing the 95 in the field to sort of um, finish off his championship run. But at least he got there. Yeah, uh, he got there. And I can't even say I would have attempted to, to go out and, and qualify after taking a look at his x-ray. That was pretty gnarly yeah uh, it's uh, definitely not the way you want to end your championship season but it also says a lot that he showed up and literally all he had to do was take a lap and qualifying to clinch the championship because he was that far ahead so uh, those guys are just the class of the field right now and the, the team to beat uh incredible effort and group of guys all around and um yeah, that's, that's all that really needs to be said. They've just been the dominant team all year. Yeah, well, um, you know, but yet at the same time, I mean, you know, there were those of us who actually thought he could win most of them out. And, uh, you know, it didn't quite go that way, but he was certainly consistent. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was very consistent. And Brandon Bellinger also very yes. consistent. I think five podium finishes. Uh, and Tyler Thompson was way down the charts in the point standings. I think he may have even missed a feature in one of the twin forties. Um, so that killed him in the points, but with the three wins, um, you know, I'd, I'd like to think that maybe Shulik has had the dominant car. Um, but the, the weeks that Tyler has been victorious there between Mr. Super, uh, the twin 40, and then this past Saturday, man, he, he has been tough and they've all come from, I, I know he started up front of Mr. Super, but those other two wins, he came from back in the field. So, um, there again, two guys that I would say are, are my favorites to to watch come from the back of the pack all the way up to the front. And well, those are the guards that have been able to do it. So Well, yeah. Um, and when you look at the classic, of course, it traditionally is a different kind of a race, but we've seen you know, we've seen Dave win it kind of going away recently. We we obviously have seen Tyler um, you know, make a a, a, a dominant run. Uh, you know, a couple of different times, once it paid off, once it didn't, um, you know, we know those guys can run flat out and I, and I, I mean, it's hard to say what kind of a race you, you, you run in the classic anymore. Cause it feels like lately it's gotten to be more of a flat out sprint race than it is an endurance race. But, um, you know, either one of those two are capable of winning it, but I think Tyler is the one with the momentum because, you know, obviously he, he's. He's been the hot car the last two, three races, I feel like. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, definitely. And uh, again, just fun to watch them both come through the field. I hate when they pass me, but it's been again, <laughs> fun to fun to watch them come through the pack. And um, I, I sort of feel like they have kind of taken turns when, when Trulix not turning in a performance like that. Maybe it's Tyler. And I know we've had another couple winners in there, Mike Bruce in the Twin 40s twice. Um, there's been some different winners that we've seen, which, which has been cool. Uh, but for the most part, like I said, those are the two cars that have been able to drive from deep in the field and just put on absolute clinics to, to get to the front. So um, it's good. you got to have that kind of racing and uh, keeps the entertainment value high and certainly did this past weekend. Yeah, for sure. So it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, where, where, that, wh- where they go come classic. And obviously Dave is doing his best to – to get healed up, but, um, you know, if not, then somebody will be in the car and he will be there basically as driver support. And, uh, so either way, the 95 will be in the field. Um, do you have Doug the, Darrow, please Doug Darrow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to change the seat for Dougie. Um, it's, uh, I'm not sure him and Dave are the same size, but, um, that might be a, a slight modification, but, um, you know, if he certainly could, uh, could go out and run it up front, that's for sure. There are a number of drivers that it, I was teasing Dave because, you know, it, it, it felt like Saturday night hadn't even ended and, and, uh, you know, and, and there was already people on the internet, uh, speculating about who his replacement could be. And it's kind of like, gosh, guys, you know, at least, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, but yeah. that's, you know, that's just how fandom is, right? We all, you know, right. we all have fun and, and Dave, Dave laughed about it. He thought it was funny. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and I hope he heals up and can get back in the car. Well, for sure. Possible, yeah. You so. don't want to have to see, you know, somebody miss a big race like the classic because of a broken finger. That's, that's just, uh, that's harsh, but, um, you know, yeah. but, but if it needs to happen, uh, you know, I'm sure he and Chris will make a, a great choice for the car. And there's certainly a lot of good options out there that I think could, could drive that thing to the front. And, yeah, you know, so, um, you know, we'll all have our fun. I'm sure between now and the end of the week on, on who might uh, be good candidates, but because that's just what we do, but uh, we all would rather see him in it. So, except for maybe the rest of the competition. Um, so, <laughs> but uh, go ahead and give the rundown if you got it. Yeah, uh, it's just finishing up the recap. So Tyler picking up the win. That's his seventh uh, Swiggle win. So he's climbing up Oof. the charts pretty good. Uh, Jeff Abel in second. Brandon Bellinger third. Tim Snyder fourth. And he was second for the first 20 laps and then yeah. third yeah. through 40 laps. And, uh, you know, kudos to those guys. They really struggled uh, the first quarter or so of the year. For sure. And Tim's yeah. actually had several good runs going. He's led a lot of laps. He's been running second or third for a lot of laps. And twice he he spun out um, running in podium spots. The car's just been so tight. Um, but but Timmy's been going for it. And finally, I think they hit the setup right and were able to have a good run. So okay. uh, good run for the Snyder team. Uh, they Jr. in fifth. Obviously, yeah, my heart breaks for those guys. Oh, man. Uh, Big time. Running out of fuel with six laps to go. That's just brutal. So um, the win's coming. Uh, and, and great to see him have a good run anyway, leading 44 and 50 laps. Uh, Jack Patrick had a nice night with his first He did. Yes, he did. Uh, Good for Jack. Uh, Also, uh, fell back at the start, but was able to, I know, pass, I think, Rivals, Gozik, and then actually an outside pass on Allison as she was running out of fuel uh, towards the end. So, a really good run for Jack. Uh, Allison ended up seventh. Gozik was eighth. Rivals ninth. Bruce tenth. 
Danzer 11th, Kern 12th, and then Ioso, Osetic, LeVay Sr., and Connors 13th through 16th were all involved in that early wreck on yeah. lap four. I hope nobody, hopefully they'll all be able to get back in two weeks for the Classic. I, it didn't look like there was a ton of damage, but I know it's it's tough now because parts and, you know, lag time to get parts or whatever. So I hope everybody will make it back there. It was good to see Eric running well. He picked up a win too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and really cool to see a Bodner car uh, pick up a heat win at a Swiggo. Yeah. And, um, more importantly, they they struggled, I'd say, pretty considerably earlier in the year with it, and they were just flat out fast with it. Uh, he picked up, let's see, six, seven tenths off what he was running earlier this year. So, Man. sixteen twos in time trials, only your second time attempting the tail end with that car is no slouch at all. So, uh, good to see, and I really hope that that gives those guys a little boost before the classic and they feel like they can come and be competitive. And maybe if Rich Reed and Kyle Edwards were watching, uh, the Bodner cars can work for the tailwind. So this is the year to try it. There you go. Yeah, that exactly right. Well, shoot, it's 20,000 to win and two grand to start. Come on folks. Um, so yeah, that's, that was a, that was a really nice uh, run for him until uh, the incident happened. And like I said, hopefully all those guys can, can get back uh okay so we will move on to let's go to sps why not so the first question i want to ask is um did you know anything about uh sean goslin returning to the oswego speedway driving uh an sps car which i think if i remember correctly that is part of the greg o'connor camp maybe yeah it is uh the car hasn't run in a couple years um, Greg's brother, I think I'm right. Greg's brother, Andy, I think owns most of that car. Uh, they had Andy Loden in it. Yes. I think it's yes. Yes. That's right. It was the one Andy Loden drove. Absolutely. Yep. In the classic. Yeah. And ran decent. Um, he I did? don't think they, they had a wreck or something like that happened, but yeah, he uh, did. the car was running well and no, I didn't know. I just saw Thursday that Sean was signed up to practice on Friday. So. That was uh, a surprise. And, um, you know, the son of a gun beat me by one spot, too. So. <laughs> yeah, he drove from like 17th to 7th. It was amazing watching him drive the thing. Um, and, you know, it was, of course, you know, Sean has been a, a feature winner in the Supers at Oswego. And, and uh, you know, he, he hasn't, but he, I don't know that he's running in two, three years at least. And so it was great to see him do that you know yet the month of august when i was growing up was always about surprises and who would drop in is you know to dial in for classic as an invader or whatever and you get sort of these new car driver things that happen at the last minute so i guess there you go for 2023 it was sean goslin in the o'connor uh 29 and and the, the the guy goes out and passes 10 of you to finish seventh nice run um so that was a bit of a surprise but again i thought this was a really really good race that division oh my gosh the amount of fast cars the amount of parity that we've got in that division right now is just awesome i mean no there aren't 24 or 28 cars a week but my goodness what's there Three quarters of them are fast enough to at least run up front and contend, if not win. I agree. Yeah, I found that out. It's uh, it's gotten a lot tougher. Yeah, uh, and it's not easy, you know, for even the super guy to go back and and run with some of those guys. They're they're tough. Noah's really fast. The O'Connor team's really fast. 
Griffin's been fast. Cameron's fast. Tony DeStevens has been super fast. Um, and, man, Drew Pescuzzi, he's come along really well big this year. Time. Um, yeah, big time. They've done a great job with that car. Um, also, Tony Pisa, really good to see yep. him uh, get some podium finishes the last couple of weeks. And even Mike Fowler, he takes an car and, and he makes something out of it, I'll tell you. I, I was backing off in my heat race, and I told Mike, it's like, I forget you're a dirt dude. It's just I thought he was going to go sideways and <laughs> in front of all of us like eight times. So I just – I tried to hang back, uh, started seventh, got up behind he and Drew there, and uh, thought about a twofer on the outside on the last lap of the heat race, but uh, I didn't. I didn't really want to wreck the car before the feature. So, uh, but it was fun. Yeah, it's a great class, and um, I just had a blast. Uh, a lot of fun. A lot yeah. of fun racing those guys. Yeah, I mean, if somebody can, you know, like kidnap Mike Bond and put him in a basement somewhere for Classic Weekend, that might turn out to be. Uh, the best race of the weekend because I'll tell you what except for the 74 car everything else appears to be in play and um, those guys are just fun to watch so that that race to me has all the makings of being the best race of the weekend and and uh, and, and I I really hope that it turns out to be that way because um, like you said a lot of these guys it's great to see a guy like Mike Fowler um, having some success, Drew Pascuzzi. These are names that are not like big names that are up front and contending and winning and just really making things interesting every Saturday night. So that class has been a lot of fun to watch. And of course, um, man, that you know, looking at the looking at the championship points race, you know, a few weeks ago, I thought that was going to be a pretty wide open deal, but. You know, obviously Noah finally again that momentum thing. Once you win once, it seems like it's not hard to do it again. And um, Noah's really come on strong the last few weeks, and and uh, you know, kind of made it for himself. Right. Yeah. It was a pretty good dog fight between Greg O'Connor and Noah for a yeah. while, but just in the month of August, everything went right for Noah, and just wrong everything for went Greg. wrong for, yeah. for Greg for sure. Um, actually having to sit out the last race with the concussion and yep. everything. And that's, that's too bad. I would have liked to see him battle it out for at least second. I mean, the guy had a great year, sure top did. five straight to like six races, I think at least. So, um, yeah, that sucked. I hated to see that, but, um, couldn't be happier for the Ratcliffe family. Uh, very well earned. And even if Greg was there, um, it was Griffin, Tony and Drew, they were all given chase and, um, it ended up being Drew, ironically, that it's a one-two uh, Ratcliffe racing in points. So uh, <laughs> what a month. Noah wins, Drew wins, Noah wins again, yeah. Noah wins the championship, and then Drew is second in the championship. Those guys must be on cloud nine right now. Well, the thing is, is you, again, you look at the classic, and I mean, you know, the 74 is in its own class, but outside of that, I feel like it's it's open season, and, and uh you know, it's it the either of those guys can pull off the win, and and I I just man, uh, you know that team really has had a great season. But it, you know, you look at some of the other guys. It's it's it was great to see Tony De Stevens win. He's had um, a really nice last few weeks for the most part since the wreck. Um, you know, you you you've got Griffin Miller there. Um, you know, Fowler's certainly been in the mix. Um, you know, there it it's just, and you always have 
you know, one or two people, it seems like in that classic race that just sort of step it up and you've got Andrew Shartner, who I think will be back, uh, for the classic, as far as I know. Um, and you know, so you got some guys, you got easily probably in my opinion, you know, eight guys that, that could pull that race out, out, you know, could win it. Um, you know, (laughs) But again, you got Mike Bond, who seems to be able to just show up and 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 blow people away. So, um, but yeah, that that was a, a great series to watch all year. Great, uh, great group of guys. You could see the improvement in some of the guys like Fowler and Pascuzzi, and you know, Jude Parker had some nice runs. I don't know what happened to him the other night. Some sort of mechanical, I, I think. But um, you know, you that's just a that's turning into a really nice class. And if we can get I know there's there's cars out there that aren't racing. If we could get a few of those a few more of those into the hands of people to actually race them, um, you get twenty to twenty four of those cars a week, they will put on an amazing show. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you what, right now there's twenty six registered for the classic. Oh good. And I'm not counting out thirty. Okay. Wow. All right. Well, maybe if you've got, um, we'll have to go through the registrations here, but, um, but yeah. let's get yeah. through the, let's get, let's talk about three fifties first, um, from last week. And then we'll, we'll get to that. So the three fifty division, obviously Josh Sokolik, um, picking up the track championship and, uh, man, again, somebody that, you know, um, not unlike Dave Schillick, somebody that was sweating bullets on championship night because of the, you know, the, the issue that he had the week before with the car, not knowing what the problem was and not sure if it was going to, you know, do what it needed to do. Um, and then of course he has that amazing run in the Sewell car in the middle of that, but, um, you know, went out and, and ended up, uh, having a good night and winning the track championship. And again, who would have thought at the beginning of the year that we'd be crowning Josh Sokolik as the 350 track champion, but that kid has just got a boatload of talent. For sure. Yeah. Uh, actually, I, I, I kind of picked him to win the title at the Did beginning you really? of the year. Oh, how, wow. That's Good how for confident you. I was. Yeah, I'll be honest. Um, it just, he, he's, uh, incredibly talented really uh to to come every step of the ladder and he's been successful already just in one race and a super modified on every level of the ladder so to speak so um just a really cool deal for a great family uh not a big team uh it's just john i think josh's grandfather and sister and mom help out and uh that's it so a uh, small little family deal and um a great race car yeah but just a hell of a driver behind the wheel well it um it for sure is a, is a, um, we're, we're watching and it, it, you know, again, it's, it's, we didn't get to see, I wanted to see chase lock too. Um, and what I mean by that is I wanted to see chase come back to a swiggo and move up to the supers or at least come back and, and see if he could follow up what he did last year in the three fifty because that kid is just an, an, an enormous talent, but, I feel like we sort of saw that in Josh this year. And again, that's a class that didn't have a lot of cars, but you start looking at the success Kyle Perry had, for example, you got Josh, yep. you got Dave cliff, you know, you now finally it's, it's taken him a while, but um, you know, wrench is finally starting to, to get his speed that we all thought he would have. 
Um, Nick Marzee, um, thank God, um, was able to sort of break his bad luck and get a win. And and you know he can be fast. Like there's there's not a lot of cars, but there's a lot of fast cars. And and we we really, I mean, you can never count out. You know the 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 forty five car if it's there, you can never count out. Um, you know, obviously we saw Jeff Battle again and Ryan Battle, and 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 if if those two run classic and, and you can maybe get a lock here to run classic, um, that could be again a, a really really amazing race. Oh, for sure, I think it will be, and it was just great to see this past week uh, six rows deep of wing cars for sure. Uh, the the field like we talked about on the last show is just growing a little bit here and there, and um, there's going to be more of them. So. I'm excited about the direction that it's going right now, and I'm looking forward to seeing all these SBS guys that are moving up continue to get their feet wet in the class. But um, that was a really uh, exciting race, uh, exciting battle for the championship. At at first, it looked like maybe there was going to be drama. I know that Josh had to replace, like, the fuel pump and just everything in the car because they they couldn't figure out what was causing their issues. And uh, something that they replaced worked, thankfully, but they must have been – so nervous all week and just had the most enormous pit in their stomach. So um, I know for them to get out on the track and just have the car running right was a win. But, um, man, they wore their luck out lately. They, they um, If it wasn't the motor, it was the right front hub. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, another lap, and that would have been probably quite the ride into the outside wall. Oh. So, um, yeah, good thing uh, Josh noticed it and was able to pull to the high side. But, um, I know maybe a little bittersweet that you don't want to finish your championship season uh, like that on a hook, but um, nonetheless, uh, it's the wins. He's fast time every week. He did everything he needed to do to to win the title. Um, but Kyle Perry uh, with nine top five finishes and ten features—that's that's insane. Yeah, that's he, that's insane. He really had a great season and and very deserving. I mean, that's that was just so cool to see him. Uh, be that consistent and you know really he he deserved the championship as much as as josh would have um you know so either one that won it would have been very deserving but um you know certainly a a a a great last race for for that set before classic that group uh and uh we had i think a new racer bailey groves was on hand yeah um that's a former um graves car i don't know which car it is um but it's been in the stole camp for a long time and technically todd stole owns the car oh uh, stole racing owns it and uh they're very close with bailey and her family and have given her the opportunity to run the car and our uh, dad randy's been working really hard the last couple of years to get it together so uh, i know they were just happy to get the car out on the track and um i think she's planning on coming back for the classic so um yeah, it's cool any time that you have a new face come in and turn laps at a swiggle and um looking forward to seeing how she does moving forward. So that was the Todd Stoll Graves car. Oh my, that car has been around for a while. If I if my memory serves me correctly, I believe that the I think Bobby Bond ran a classic in that car, and I think Mike Ordway might have ran a classic in that car. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know much about the history on it other than it's a grades car. Originally, I thought it was the first ever extreme chassis, but I guess they still have that too, and 
maybe Caleb Coloca is going to run a 350 is the rumor I've heard. That's the word on the street right now. Oh, wow. Okay. That's interesting. Well, yeah, I think Todd, as far as I know, I think Todd still had it the last I knew of it. And then, of course, that that more recent car that Todd had raced a couple times, which is a beautiful piece of equipment uh, that uh, Paulie built. Um, so, that yeah, that Graves car has been around. If that's the one I'm thinking of, that's been around for a long time. And, uh, you know, again, it's nice to see some of those cars, just like Danny Kay with the old um, Stephen Joy Brian Sweeney car. It's nice to see some of those cars getting re, you know, recycled into 350s and being able to, um, you know, to be to go out and compete. But of course, that's a that's a uh, you know, it's getting to be a tall order because you got you know Joey Hawksby has built a couple of those too, and that one he built for tailing is a is a. <laughs> That's a napalm bomb uh, just waiting to go off, and Talon's getting awfully close to being able to pull the pin. <laughs> that was a funny way of putting it, yeah. Yeah, uh, three podium finishes in your rookie year, that's not too bad. No. Uh, I, I thought he had it. I really did. And um, Great racing with, with Jeffrey, but those guys have got to be really proud of that. Um, For sure. To be P2 to the hottest driver in 350 racing right now. I mean, he's won multiple classics, multiple star speedway championships. He's got dozens of wins and uh, to be able to hold him off for as long as he did uh, and run up front that lawn, keep his composure as a win in itself. And I also noticed when I was typing up the quotes for the recap, just now how well-spoken he is. Yeah. He's, he actually did a good interview. I was really, uh, I was interested to see, Cause I, I, uh, I hadn't seen him interviewed before. Uh, cause I, uh, I missed the, the week, the other week there that he was, I think he was third the week before. And I missed that, uh, podium. I just didn't watch it. And, um, so I, uh, I was interested to see how he would do. Cause I, you know, I, I, I assumed that maybe, you know, Joey was, Joey was never shy, but he, but, but it was always, you know, he was always kind of, um, soft-spoken and 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 at that age, and I wondered how Talon would be, and he did. You're right; he did a very nice interview, very humble. If he stays that way, stays humble, and and you know just keeps his ears open, um, that kid has the potential to be a really really good race car driver. And it sounds like, from what I'm hearing from some folks, his younger brother maybe is good or better than he is. Yeah, I don't know anything about how he does, but. I have heard that maybe he's going to move up to a 350 sooner than later. Yeah, he's run some midget stuff, according to what I've been told already. With with uh, oh. uh, yeah, up in New England, um, he's I think he's already oh, had wow. some midget experience. So um, if that's the case, and he comes in with more experience in in you know like a midget car than what Talon had, because Talon came straight out of the quarter, I think. Um, you know, that's, that's interesting. So yeah, I think what Dawson is that his name, I think. Um, and so, you know, there could be, you know, I, I the, the, both Hawksby's, uh, Joe and Joey were both one, like a lap, you know, or five laps, I think in, in Joey's case, but, uh, away from winning features in a swigo and, um, Gosh, I, you know, I hope that Taylor can do it because uh, I feel like he needs to put the Hawksby name in victory lane at some point. And I think he's really close. Like I said, that's another, you know, you look at these classic races and I think all three of them could be up for grabs, but certainly the 350, 
uh, race and the, the, the classic, the super modified race, um, to me, it's, it's, it's take your pick because, you know, yeah, Jeffrey Battle came up and won again, but he had to work for it. And, you know, you, you put him, depending on, you know, qualifying and where he starts, you put him in the back of, of, of the field with, with this field this year. And that could be a tall order to get all the way up to the front, especially if you throw a lock in there and, you know, whoever else, um, you know, some of the Oswego cars right now are getting awfully close to being able to, you know, to, to keep up and, and outrace uh, the, the New Englanders like Jeffrey. Yeah, I agree. It's it's no walk in the park for those guys no. to, to come here anymore at all. Um, there's just a lot of guys that have tuned in their cars and found a lot of speed. And, um, and again, no disrespect to um, Joey whatsoever. Phenomenal race car and talent's doing a great job. But I do love to go and look at the history of some of the cars. You know well, what I mean? Sure. Like the yeah, racing absolutely. Car and, and Dave Cliffs. And, and to see, a, oh, what is it, like a 20-year-old Bellinger, maybe not 20 years 15-year-old Bellinger chassis, the last car Eddie built there. Uh, second in points, Dave Cliff's car. I don't even know where that came from. That's like 25 years old, somewhere out of New England. Um, now Jason Spaulding's racing a much older extreme super. Um, so many of these cars have a lot of history. Nick Barzee with a booth chassis that sat. Yeah, that's right. Um, so just, just really neat. Um, it's great to see the new cars too, um, but I think sometimes it's even cooler when a really old car can oh, outpull yeah. cars. So um, just good stuff. That's what I love about the class is kind of the resurrection of some of these old cars. Um, you mentioned Danny Kay and, and the list goes on. So uh, love the class and only hope for the best for it moving forward. Yeah. Well, uh, it's, it seems like we, you know, we're, we should be in pretty good shape going into 24 because, you know, I keep hearing there are still more out there and you've got Ratcliffe hasn't been a regular yet. And, you know, uh, and some others. So, you know, hopefully that class uh, in 24 will, will creep up to the 15 to 20 mark where it should be. And, you know, those guys will continue to put on great racing. Um, okay. So uh, let's go ahead and run this one down. And I'm not sure if we actually gave the SBS finish, but if we did go ahead and give that too. No, uh, I'll do the SBS first. Go ahead. Uh, Noah Ratcliffe getting the win. Griffin Miller second. Tony Pisa third. Mike Fowler, fourth. Drew Pascuzzi, fifth. Cameron Rowe, sixth. Sean Goslin, seventh. Uh, myself, eighth. Tony DeStevens, ninth. Jake Brown, tenth. Brad Haynes, eleventh. DJ Schumann, twelfth. Good to see him back out in the Ryan Gunther car. Yes. Uh, AJ Larkin, thirteenth. Jude Parker, fourteenth. Good to see him back after the hard crash as well. Uh, Carter Gates was fifteenth. Jordan Sullivan, sixteenth. Tessa Crawford, seventeenth. Good job, Tessa, on your nineteen-two in your heat race. That's really impressive. Absolutely. Also. In uh, the 350 rundown, I will grab that. Just a second. Too many windows open here. <laughs> okay, Jeff Battle first. Kyle Perry uh, third. Sorry, Talon Hawksby second. Ryan Battle fourth. Jason Spaulding fifth. Nick Barzee was sixth. Snow Ratcliffe seventh. Uh, that's really the first 350 race he's been able to actually compete in. Uh, the one earlier this year, they had motor problems. So uh, he was pretty racy in that thing. Uh, yep. Great night, Noah. Uh Danny Kay, good to see him back out finishing an eighth. Um, I'd imagine he's pleased with that. I noticed they got more speed out of the car, and uh, he looked pretty comfortable. So looking forward to seeing how the flag team does uh, in the classic. Uh, Brendan Young, 
finishing ninth, another rookie doing a great job. Uh, Robbie Worth didn't have a great night, made some contact with the wall. Uh, early on, finished 10th, but still good enough for uh, the Rookie of the Year honor, so congrats to the wrench on that. Uh, Josh Akulik was 11th, Nick Kenny 12th, Dave Cliff 13th, uh, Bailey Groves 14th. And then also congrats to um, Mike Fowler and Jake Brown. They actually tied for Rookie of the Year. In the oh, FBS. did they really? <laughs> the first time ever that that's happened in that class. So um, they probably both hate it, but congrats to both of you anyway. Well, you know, I mean, that's one of those, you know, co-rookies of the year. I mean, I don't think there's a loser there. They're both winners. It's not like, you know, if you tie for the track championship, that's one thing. But I think with an award like rookie of the year, I think it's equally impressive for both of them. And, and you just look at it that way that there were, you know, there were two rookies of the year. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it doesn't hurt either one. And both really did have good seasons and you know it was neat to i don't know what jake's past experience is but i know mike's obviously a veteran on the dirt who made a nice adjustment to the to the payment um and you know jeff carson's been very happy with uh with mike and and how things have gone there with the 10 car and so uh you know again uh i don't know too much about jake's past experience but what an impressive season for him too and I think yeah. there was one or two nights where he ended up in the fence, not of his own doing. We could have made it even better. So, you know, I mean, right. those guys are both uh, very capable uh, racers, and I would expect more out of both of them in 24 if they come back. Yeah, I hope they both come back. I know that Jake will. Uh, he's actually been driving his dad's car uh, for pretty much – two-thirds of the season that's their backup car oh, okay. and i know uh they're not as happy with that car and don't have quite as much confidence in that one right now as they do uh the primary car the hedger car they had got completely redone um and jake was looking pretty sporty in it early in the season i i think he i think he got um turned into the outside wall yeah i think so too really hard down the back stretch at some point earlier in the year and that car hasn't been back out since okay. so um kind of would have been interesting to see what he could have done uh with the other car um but there's always next year for that and he's he has some some karting experience and was very successful in the karting oh, so okay. um totally new uh family to oswego um that had been wanting to kind of take that leap for a long time so uh really neat to see father and son uh race together a couple times last year and then pretty cool that they're going to do that moving forward too that's uh that's on my bucket list when I get my old man feeling better. There you go. I love it. Okay, so now let's talk about rosters for the classic. Um, you know, you you've uh, you've obviously got um, got an idea in all three classes here. So um, let's go ahead and start with the super modifieds. Lots of speculation that we could surpass thirty. I heard them say Saturday night on the broadcast they were only going to start 30 which i think is a bummer i would rather see them start them all um in in this situation but um i guess that would be a nice problem to have at least which we haven't had for a bit so what are we looking at realistically here for for classic knowing of course the 95 will be in the field either way but you know um what what do you think here do we get 30 I don't want to say definitely, but I'm really confident we get 30. Okay. Um, really confident. I can read through the list. Go ahead. Uh, we have 23 that are registered now. 
and then I'll note the ones that I have on this list that are not registered, but that we're 99% sure on most of these guys that they're coming. Okay. So uh, Joe Gozik is not registered. Obviously he'll be there. Yes. Uh, Dan Connors, Brandon Bellinger, Jeff Abel, Tim Snyder, Bobby Santos is not registered, but he signed up for testing. Yes. We know he'll be there. Uh, Otto Sitterly, Ben Seitz, Joey Payne, not registered, planning on being there. Michael Muldoon, actually running the track tomorrow. He'll be there. Oh, good. Uh, Mike Bruce, Mike McVetta, Ryan Zitska, Eric Iosu are all registered. Uh, we got a text from Danny Sewell last week that the 32 is going to be there. Um, just not registered yet, but we'll have the Sewell car there. Uh, 37, Ryan Locke, 39, Allison Sloat are both registered. 41, Russ Wood will be there, but is not registered. 52, Dave Danzer, and 54, myself, are both registered. 56, Halla Tulip says he plans on coming, but is not registered. Um, I'm kind of nervous-ish to see if he'll be out or not. I know that he was having a problem so. with the car, so I really hope so, too. Uh, 61, Mike Ordway Jr., not registered, but I know for sure that he's coming. Yes. Uh, Lulave Sr., Michael Barnes, both registered. Dave McKnight intends to come as long as they can get their other motor together. Um, Brian Osetic, Mark Samet, Lulave Jr., all registered. Todd Stoll is not registered, but I heard plans on running the track and racing, so that's good. Interesting. Uh, Jack Patrick is registered. Logan Ravels is not, but he'll be there for sure. Dave Schulich registered. Tyler Thompson was not, but is now registered. <laughs> and Jerry Kern. <laughs> yeah, I bet he is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Jerry Kern is registered. So that's 34, one way or another. 34. Wow. See, now we, we were starting 34. It's like, come on, guys, start them all. I mean, let's go. Um, you know, it's, it, because as much as I, I mean, I love the drama of, you know, who makes it and who doesn't, in this in this circumstance, um, you know, with, with, with the economy being what it is, travel being what it is, all that, you know, costs, it's like, man, you just hate to send anybody home because you know how much it cost them to get there. So, um, you know, but uh, that would be great. 34 would be amazing. All right. So um, let's talk about the uh, 350 class. Okay, 350s, there's kind of a lot of maybes uh, on the list. I was told that Richworth was going to run the other car, but this morning I opened Facebook and it was for sale. But, I mean, sorry, Rich, but you sell your stuff every other week, so I don't, I don't know how, uh, how <laughs> he's, serious. He's probably got another one he's going to buy as soon as he sells that one, so he'll have that out for classic, yeah. yeah. He's something you never know what he's got up his sleeve. You don't. That's <laughs> you why we like him. Yeah, you can't find a guy much more passionate no. than Richworth. So uh, I bet you they'll have two cars there, whether it's that one or another one. Um, so we'll see what happens with the 04. But the 4 for Robbie is registered. The 7, Nick Kinney, is registered. The 14, Jeff Battle, is registered. 19, Bailey Groves, is not, but will be there. 20, Kyle Perry, 21, Ryan Battle, and 23, Jason Spaulding are all registered. 24, Tony DeStevens is not, but he'll be doing double duty. Josh Shakolik, Nick Barzee, and Danny Kay all registered. Brad Babb not registered, but I have confirmation uh, from Mike Ordway Jr., his brother-in-law, that he will be there. Uh, so there's a New England car. Good. Um, and then Bobby Holmes, Dave Cliff, Noah Ratcliffe, Brendan Young, and Talon Hawksby are all registered. So that puts us at 
a pretty comfortable 19. Um, we're pretty sure on all those. And then there's some maybes in there. You've got Jim Storis, who has made the trip out every year for the Classic. I don't even know what he's doing this year, um, but I have him on my list. We'll see what happens there. Uh, and then Chase Locke, I got a maybe. Yeah, you'd think, I mean, gosh, if Ryan's racing, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd think Chase would, but um, who knows? Uh, you know, it's, um, well, I mean, we'll see who shows. Uh, that's kind of one of those, you've got some cars that, uh, now, did you mention that I missed the 45 with Bobby Holmes? Did you mention him and I missed it? He was right after bad. If I skipped over him, I'm sorry. But okay, well, you may not have. You were reading him along and I was trying to keep up. Um so, okay. So yeah, 19 not bad. I mean, and again, shoot, we've had great racing with what, 10. So, you know, yeah. 19 would be a really, really, really good classic there. Okay. So, uh, let's talk about SBS now because, uh, there again, that should be, um, a phenomenal field. And you were telling me last week, you thought, you know, we could be upwards of 24 in that class. Yeah. And now I'm thinking that 30 is seriously possible. Whoa. Uh, yeah, so really excited about the way this is looking. We've got 26 registered right now. Dang. Uh, and then I expect four more. So the easiest thing for me to do is tell you who is not registered that's coming first, and that would be Jake Brown, Stephen Bradshaw, Carter Gates, and Ken Pierce, and all those guys are pretty much regulars that have confirmed that they're coming. So on top okay. of those four, we have 26 officially entered, so – you know, he, he, we'll see what happens, but that that would put us right at thirty, which is fantastic. That's incredible. Um, so go ahead and read the entry list then. Uh, Jude Parker, Greg Richardson, Jordan Sullivan, Robbie Worth, Griffin Miller, Mike Fowler, Jim Babcock, which is a surprise. Uh, that is in the older car that he owns. Oh, uh, Ryan Gunther drove it last year. Yep, he'll be in the fifteen. Okay, uh, Andrew Shartner. Tessa Crawford, Mike Bruce will be driving the Gunther 22. Yes, he tipped us to that. Yep, Danny Kay, Tony DeStevens, Sean Goslin, AJ Larkin, Jesse Barrup. For now, I'll say myself, and we'll see. Uh, DJ Schumann, Derek Hilton, Drew Pascuzzi, Noah Ratcliffe, Mike Bond, Cameron Rowe, Brian Haynes, Brad Haynes, Tony Pisa, and Greg O'Connor. Okay, so I want to clarify a couple of things here because uh, on Saturday night, Roy said that, or Joe, one of them, I don't remember which, said something about the 86 was going to be the 88, and Brian was, or Brad, I guess, was going to drive, or whatever. Both Haynes cars are going to be in the field, and each Haynes is going to be driving. Is that what you have? Yeah, because Brian was running, um, or excuse me, Brad was running Brian's car this past week because Brad's got wadded up pretty good um, two weeks ago on the Sunday morning race. There, he was involved in the melee there with Griffin. That's and right, Camperone but they're gonna they'll have it fixed. So yeah, they're working on fixing Brad's car. Okay, he'll be back in that one, and then Brian will just get Being back in his. The okay, eighty six. Okay, the red car. Yeah, and now. Um, what was interesting to me is that um, I'm trying to think you mentioned uh, I caught something. You Oh, you said back when we were talking the super entry list, you did say Danny Sewell said his car would be there. Um, did Danny mention who would be driving it? 
No, uh, and, you know, maybe I'm reading into that a little bit, but he just said the 32 will be there. I don't know if that means no or somebody else. Yeah, uh, I, I got to find out. You know, here here we are being fans again, right? You know, I mean, that's, uh, I, and I'm, tr- I, I catch those things. So, um, because I, I start looking at this and I think, okay, so, you know, we got a, a number of drivers and this is kind of different. You don't see too much of this that are doing double duty here. Um, you, you, you know, you mentioned even yourself possibly doing two classes. Danny K we know is doing at least two classes. And I'll just go ahead and say that if, if, if Dave Schillick can't go and, and I could have a sentimental pick, um, I don't know if Danny could do three classes at a weekend, but boy, I'd sure like to see him try. Right. Um, you know, that would be a very interesting thing you got. And so now you, you kind of, you, you know, you look and say, well, shoot, if Josh could get in the super, um, and, and again, I'm not trying to push Mo out of his car, but out of his ride, but shoot, if Josh could get in the super, there's another interesting double duty scenario. And, and those things just all add to storylines. Tony DeStevens has got two cars. Ratcliffe appears to be doing two cars. Like this is, it's kind of fun to see uh, drivers, especially the two lower divisions going back and forth because it's great experience for him. And it just gives us something more to follow along with. I'm going to have to go through and make a list of everybody that's doing double duty because there's actually quite a few yeah. Uh, yeah. between the three fifties and SBS, especially uh, Danny, Tony, Robbie Worth. Yep. Maybe me, Noah Ratcliffe. Well, you'd be doing super in uh, SBS, but yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, I think that's all between all the classes. Yeah. But then you got Sokolik, maybe. Maybe Sokolik, yep. I mean, again, we're just, look, if I were the driver can do it for decades, we can do it on the show. Um, We're just throwing out rumors here. Um, You know, it's, but it, but it's, it's just interesting. Like that's, that, that was something that probably was a bit unexpected. I think we knew going into the year that some of these guys had say 350 cars that, that they hadn't really started racing yet. Like, you know, Ratcliffe had his and, and Josh and, and all that. But, you you know, um, we never would have expected Josh to get in a super. And we, we um, you know, now you got Danny maybe doing two. And, you know, or it looks like he's doing two. We weren't sure for a little while there. But, um, yeah, fun stuff. And, it, you know, look, if your dad can't and your uncle can, it'd be fun to see you do them both. Um, if you could do them both See, that's got that to me is a cha- I feel like doing the SBS of the 350 is one thing, um, you know, but trying to do an SBS and a super to run the 200, that that would seem to me like a real, especially if you don't have enough, you know, a quant- good quantity of pit help or whatever, because so much kind of is you know, back to back or around the same time frame. And if something goes wrong with one, you're trying to, you know, um, that would seem like a lot to be able to do that. Yeah. Uh, we tried it last year and honestly, maybe it made it a little easier when the super broke and we knew we were out for the afternoon there in the first practice and everything. So yeah. um, we could just focus on my dad at that point, but I don't know. It'll probably, uh, it'll be like a last minute decision, maybe even on Sunday. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, we, 
we, we decided like midnight on Sunday last year that he was going to drive. Um, that's definitely not happening. Uh, Chris can't do it. He's, his docs say no uh, with everything going on with his back. So okay. uh, it depends on how good of a mood Tim Proud's in in the next like 10 days, and then we'll see. <laughs> well, you and I did talk about one driver that could get in that car um, if you wanted him to, but it would still require yeah. you guys to be able to field it. So, you yeah. know, it's it's really the same either way. Um, but, yeah, it's it's just um, – it's it's an interesting uh like i said that's a lot to do if you don't have a big crew it's a lot to do two cars and and you know everything in one day um yeah well the last thing i'll i'll get you out on here is um i did not realize and maybe i just misunderstood but i didn't realize there was going to be a second round of super modified time trials on sunday is that new or was that sort of the way it was planned to be all along Mm, that's news to me actually oh okay well your your <laughs> uh, track announcers were talking about it on the broadcast that uh, they were going to take 26 i think out of friday and then the rest were going to uh time trial on sunday i don't know about that okay I don't know about that. <laughs> well again they... i'm just trying to clarify here somebody's lying <laughs> Maybe it's me. Who knows? Uh, I, I heard. I heard that they were taking locking in twenty four, um, and I did hear that they were going to start thirty. And if they had exactly thirty cars, then we'd start thirty. But if there's more, then there was going to be a B main. Um, oh, B main. Do home? Yeah, that's what I was told. Oh, and I believe that's what the information packet says. And at least that's what Chuck told me. So I haven't heard okay. anything. Okay. Okay. So qualifying may have been a B main. I, I, maybe I didn't interpret okay, that right, yeah. but yeah, there was, I didn't know there was, I thought everything was Friday except for you told me that three fifties were going to do right. Sunday, but um, right. I thought the other two, everything was Friday. So that's, that's that. I hope we get enough cars to, to see that. Cause I just think it adds some spice and um, to see a B main would be, that would be awesome. I'd love to see that. Um, so I would do, but I just wish that we had, <laughs> 40 cars instead and then it was before that we were starting and you know the whole reason why they're not is because they wanted to get it up to the 2000 to start so then somebody's got to come up with what would it be eight grand grand. yeah eight grand yeah it is a lot but i mean you know it's just so hard at this point to ask you know, everybody to show up and then send four of them home, you know, it's like, know, dang, you know, if, if you had 10 of them show up, I could understand. But I mean, we were, you know, at one point we started 40 and it's like, geez, you know, um, but I, and, and I think if you, if you have that issue this year, I think then that hopefully will be a harbinger that maybe next year, you know, they can up it a little bit and, you know, and know that we're going to get the, the, the cars, but um, just to be talking about this going into the classic is great. And, um, lots of optimism, lots of, uh, you know, lots of good stuff, lots of good storylines, lots of double duty, um, you know, a lot to sort out in the next uh, week and a half or so. And, uh, um, always fun to, to talk with you and, and have you on. And I know that, uh, you're going to be obviously in the super, if not in the SBS as well. And, and, uh, you know, hope for uh, a good run for you. And, and we'll, I'm sure we'll, you know, we'll talk again next week and, you know, we're going to be doing quite a bit here, I hope uh, with coverage, um, you know, right through classic weekend. So um, hope to get back with you at some point 
uh, before you get all busy next week. But, um, you know, good luck if we don't. And uh, look forward to seeing how things go for you with that car. Um, you know, I know that uh, you mentioned, shoot, you mentioned Didero in the in in the 95, perhaps. Uh, well, heck, um, you know, why don't we just stick them in the 54 and, and let them run the uh, SPS race and have some fun? <laughs> I've asked him. He won't budge on he that. He won't budge? But, uh, I do think you think about the 95. I'm, I'm serious. Don't don't count that out. If, if, <laughs> if they ask him, yeah. Well, I, I don't, I mean, who would refuse that, right? Like, do, is there anybody that you know of that would refuse to get that car? I mean, that's, um, you know, that's, that's probably uh, about the hottest, hottest ride available isn't it so uh yeah i would imagine sure. that whoever gets the call and and i mean it's 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 fun you, you see people on the internet speculate different things and you know yeah i'll, I'll have said mike Solomon. <laughs> oh <laughs> well shoot it's uh i mean at this point what's you know mike's no longer doing tires so what's i mean he's got it's, this would be the time if you're going to start your super career the 95 would be a good car to start it in so um you know mike knows how to work on him it would be interesting to see if he could drive one um so i mean he's watched everybody else turn laps for like you know 50 years so um yeah. he he ought to be able to get in and do all right but uh it would be uh that's entertaining to say the least but yeah it would it just uh a lot of a lot of possibilities there and you know we hope obviously that shoe two can can get in it uh the first thing i thought of is well shoot get his dad out of retirement stick him in that thing let him see what he could do but um yeah you know it's uh that car is just so on a rail right now that that uh it you know almost anybody that gets in it would have an instant shot to win so um you know let's hope there's no need but um it's always fun just to to go back and forth a little bit like i said just to I just want to see Danny Kay get a shot in a in a super like that car, um, you know, to go see if he could win a classic because I know the guy's capable of doing it. And, uh, you know, like I said, that would be at least my sentimental pick if somebody needed to be in it. But, you know, I could think of a couple others. Honestly, Keith Champagne drove for Chris for a long time, and I, I know that you know i don't know that keith really at this point has any interest in coming back on any kind of a regular basis but if that car for that race and that was a race that keith at least twice has i mean he had it won once in in chris in the 55 car and they had fuel fuel issues or something fuel pickup issues and um i don't know he he might just decide to put the suit back on but there's just tons. I mean, you know, there's a lot of, uh, I mean, Sokolik, if he doesn't drive the 32, you know, you can yep. just get into a number of uh, different drivers that could get in that car and go fast. So, uh, you I know. I thought of Jeff Cattle and even Chris Perley. Oh, you know, Battle would be great. You know, Chris, yep. yeah, Perley. I mean, well, you know, Perley, I don't think he's raced in, what, two years? But, geez, yeah. you give him a test session, you know. <laughs> I mean, Bobby, Even Tyler Hewitt. Well, Tyler's out there. Bobby Bond's out there. I mean, yeah. um, Mike Bond is out there. You know, yeah. you've got so many guys that that you can put in that car. Um, you know that that could go out. Um, you know, I don't think Brian Sobis is able to um, right now. But if he could, he would certainly you know be a a guy that you know. Um, and you know, but there's there's just a bunch. So yeah, that would be. Uh, 
that would be an interesting selection to to see who they would choose you know if it became needed but uh, i'm still i'm still because you just don't like to see anybody have to miss the classic um no, like that no. so you know but either way cam thanks for for taking the time i know you've got a lot going on but uh hopefully we'll catch you one more time before classic but if we don't good luck and go get it thank you we'll talk soon all right that's camden proud back with what's in the number right around the corner Welcome back to the show. As we wind things down, it's time for What's in a Number. This week, What's in a Number is the number 25. We talk about the number 25 in its significance to Oswego Speedway and Supermodified History. And again, this is a number that I feel like probably hasn't been used an awful lot in comparison to some others and it certainly probably doesn't have fame and fortune attached to it or legend in the way some other numbers do but it does have a classic win and we'll get to that in a moment so let's start with the first 25 that i can think of which would have been a guy named bill crosby back in 1971 72 somewhere in there I know it was before I started, and I only remember the name because it, it sounds like Bill Cosby. It was Bill Crosby. That's the only reason that sticks out. Um, I don't know even know what his car looked like. Couldn't tell you. But I know he was 25. Um, and again, it just stuck because there aren't many 25s really over the course of time, I don't think, or at least not that I remember in Speedway history. Um, I don't think that... Uh, Bill Crosby raced a long time, or at least not much past the early 70s. Uh, Again, I'm not sure I ever saw him. I started going in 73, not sure I ever saw him race. Maybe he was there a time or two. I was five, so (laughs) it's possible. But um, don't think there was a long history there. And honestly, uh, I don't remember... Another, now let me see. Now I'm thinking was there was a, there was a gentleman that raced. I don't even know when this would have been, maybe in the late seventies, early eighties, I want to say. Um, oh, wait, hang on. I just thought of, I think another 25 wasn't, there was a guy named Mike Cronin who bought the Doug Duncan, Jimmy, uh, Jim, Johnny Spencer rear engine, Jimmy Spencer. Well, that would have been fun, wouldn't it? Jimmy Spencer in the super. Um, I think there was a guy named Mike Cronin who bought the Doug Duncan, Johnny Spencer rear engine car. And I think he was 33. And then when um, Paul Strasser came in from Ohio, I think Paul ended up registering the number first one year and Mike I think ran his 25 with that car uh I do not know where Mike was from if he was a Canadian or uh you know somewhere here in America I don't know where Mike Mike was from but I I believe that he was 25 for a bit um then I was going to say that there was a driver named Rick Coyle, 
And I, for some strange reason, I, I think it was a yellow car. And I think maybe Rick was 25, perhaps. Putting a question mark there, maybe. Um, I'm trying to think. I've got a couple of others in my head, but I want to get them in the right order here. Um, I think that would have been first. Um, and then there was, there was, uh, Brian Herb had a car. Um, I don't think it was his last car. I think it was the car that he actually won his feature with in 1982. I want to say it was that car. And I want to say that that car um, he sold it to a, what was the guy's name? Was it Van Stolly Staley Stallings? It was Van, I think it was Staley, Van Staley. And again, not sure of Van's history. Don't know where he was from, but I, I believe if I remember right, Van painted it a beautiful orange, and I think Dave Schulich started in it and drove it for a little while, and I don't know what happened. Uh, for whatever reason, that didn't last. Uh, Jamie Moore got in it and ran some races. Like I, I've always said, I think Jamie drove every super that ever existed between like 1973 and the time that he retired. Um at least once. Uh, I think I think Jamie drove it a little while. And if I remember right, I think Brian Herb ended up having some sort of issue with the car he had after that, that he had built. And uh, borrowed the car back for the classic. And I think he got like a fifth place finish with it or something. I don't, that would have been early 80s. Um. Wow, let's see. Um, and I don't know where that car went. I'm trying to remember where that car went from there. That was a nice car. It was a really and it was a fast car, but when it was uh when 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 it was in the Staley livery um as the 25, beautiful orange, and Schillick had a helmet painted to match, it was just gorgeous. Um and then I who let's see Graham was Graham Kells 25 for some reason I want to make Graham Kells 25 I don't know if that's right probably isn't um Graham raced for a little while and then I'm thinking maybe somebody raced for him a little bit perhaps um let's see I'm trying to think who would have been in between if I'm right about Graham, who would have been either Staley and because Bobby Bond is the next one that's coming to my mind. But Bobby, of course, wasn't until, you know, into the 2000s. Uh, and Bobby's the one that won a classic with it. So the, the number 25 is a classic winning number. And there aren't, you know, a ton of those. Um, and that's I always associate the the 25 number with Bobby in my head he's the first one that comes to mind whenever I think about it and 
uh, but I'm trying to think if I've missed anybody and I feel like I have, I know that that was also a number. I think that, um, and I don't know if it ever was at a Swigo, but, um, Paul Dunnigan, when he had his, uh, three or four race car fleet and had, you know, two or three or four at a time racing, uh, I think 25 was one of the numbers he used now and then. And I think Bentley was one of the guys that raced his 25. I don't know too. I don't know if he ever did it a swiggo, but uh, I think that comes to mind too. But then, um, but then there's Bond, and trying to think if anybody has come after Bond. I don't think so. I think Bobby was twenty. I'm pretty sure he was twenty five, wouldn't he? On that his number when he won the classic. Um. I can't remember, uh, can't remember, can't remember any other 25s. And I feel like I'm forgetting somebody obvious, but Rick Coyle's the one I questioned and, and Graham Kells. Cause I don't, I, Graham might've been 98 too. Why does that pop into my head all of a sudden for Graham? Anyway, um, I, I'm, I'm fairly sure Rick Coyle and I think Coyle may have had two numbers. He may have had 25. And I think I almost want to say, um, that, uh, he had, in some way he had a 56 at one point, but I also could be wrong about that. And I also think that Rick might've driven for Bob and Ernie June a little bit in their 59 car, one of their last 59 cars. Whatever happened to the last couple June cars, by the way, does anybody know? Anybody know where the last couple Ernie and Bob June cars, like the offset car that Landon drove um, oh boy, we could do half a show on just who all the drivers that drove for Ernie and Bob June. That would be an exhaustive list, wouldn't it? But even just from, cause Landon ran Wayne Landon. I think that was the last, um, ride that Wayne had, at least in Oswego was, was in that car. Um, and then, um, but I think they had like a couple of, of, versions of the offset car. I, I don't think the one Wayne Landon drove was the same as the one, for example, that Bill Sharkey drove, but I could be wrong. They may have just modified, you know, that kept kind of rebuilding that same chassis, but I was thinking there were a couple of versions of offset June cars toward the end of their ownership time. Um, and they weren't the same brilliant yellow. They were, it was kind of a lighter color. Um, I don't know what you'd call it, like a tan or something, more of a neutral color. Um, the, the 59s that I always loved were those deeper yellow cars in the, in the 70s. Those were just beautiful cars. And the, and the color stood out because there wasn't a ton of cars with that color, right? So... Um, I know that got off our 25 tangent here, but, uh, I was, th I'm thinking that Rick Coyle might've had a little bit of seat time in one of those June cars, um, when he was driving. Um, but again, I could be wrong. Um, TJ Potrabowski drove the offset June car. Gosh, there were, there were, uh, <laughs> Ernie and Bob June had so many drivers. So, um, Bond is the last one that comes to mind. I mean, the, the, and I, I think he followed the 
Dunnigan iteration, whatever that would have been if it ever happened at Oswego. But, you know, I try to include super modifies in general when I know something. Um, so even if it they didn't race it at Oswego, I think that was at least somewhat part of the uh, the time at Dunnigan was the number 25. Um, they used a bunch of different numbers that didn't. There, I think, what was it? There was... I think 29, right? Wasn't that the first one for Bentley? And then Ordway was 26. And, of course, then the driver rotation started in that car. You had a bunch of different Ritzkis and uh, Davey Hamilton. And, oh, gosh, Ordway had multiple stints in it. I think Abold was in it. Um, I don't remember. Um, and uh, then you you had uh, so you had twenty nine twenty six, and then like I said, I feel like the there was this other car that that either third or fourth car that had um a number of different numbers. So it was like seven or seventeen or twenty five or whatever you know they drew out of the hat in the trailer that week. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how they got all the different, uh, um, but. Um, I think 25 was was kind of more common than maybe some of those others. But anyway, um, I think Bond was the last, and and he made good on it. If I'm right about Bobby being 25, he won the Classic with it. And that was in, um, I think that was an old Extreme chassis, wasn't it? And he, uh, he then got hooked up after that with, um, with, uh, Team Sevens, basically, right? Um, and uh, I think that car still it, did. Did that sell finally? I don't know. That's still around. Um, boy, that was a rocket ship. Forty, I think it was forty-seven, right? That was a rocket ship. Um, but uh, yeah. So there's the twenty-five. I don't know where else to go with it other than that. But there's some. There's some interesting names in there anyway. I don't know too much about Bill Crosby at all. Somebody can feel free to expand on Bill's uh, time at Oswego or his career if they know it. Would love to have that in the comments. And um, and, and even uh, Rick Coyle, because I'm pretty sure Rick was 25 for a bit. And Mike Cronin, for that matter. If anybody knows anything about Mike, um, you know, educate us. Because uh, those were some drivers that... You know, it's it's those drivers that kind of I've always said it's those drivers that added the color back then, right? You always heard about, you know, the big guys, the Champagnes, the Swifts, you know, Bellinger, Joya, Conium, Dates, you know, all Britain, you know, in the seventies. But it was it was those guys that added to the field that really kind of put the color in there. And um, I remember Cronin because I didn't again I didn't start going until seventy three, and at that point. I think that rear engine car stopped running. I think Duncan, I don't think they ran it past 72. I also think that it was, God, I don't even remember when they won their feature. It might've been as early as 1970, but um, they did win a feature with it. But I remember the car because it was gold and white and he had the, um, the mirrors. He had the little, little mirrors on the car so we could see where everybody else was. And I don't know if that was a Johnny Spencer thing or if that, if Cronin put them on, but I, I just remember that car. Um, 
it, it was just a very unique looking car for the time among many that we had then. Right. So, um, and I think Cronin was, I think he was 33 first. And then I think he went to 25 and I think it was because, I mean, back in the day, and it might still be the case, you know, whoever registered the number first for, for in the preseason got the number. You know, unless you were, I mean, and I suppose if you tried to register 10 or 8, you know, everybody knew that Jimmy and Nolte, you know, you're not going to steal those numbers away from them. But I, I think for the most part, it was, you know, first come, first serve. So uh, sometimes you had guys that started as one number and then had to change. And I think even maybe Eddie Bellinger, there was something that was because uh, Steve Newman had an 03 rear engine car back in the same time frame that Bellinger started in Eddie, Eddie Jr. I'm, I'm talking about Eddie B. Um, Cause Eddie was 03 when he started, I believe, but only for a very short time. Then he became 02. So, and I think that was why, cause somebody, and I would have, I'm guessing it would have been Steve Newman got the number first. And so Eddie just went to 02 and it stuck. And, um, that number has been a Bellinger number for literally 50 years, which is crazy when you think about it, isn't it? Is there another number at the track? I don't think there's another number at the track that literally has been in one family with one team for 50 years. Now that I think about that, how crazy is that? Because Eddie raced until, oh gosh, I mean, he... When did he run his, the last classic he ran was for Howie Page. So it had to be, um, was it, in, was it even into the two thousands? I think that was the last classic Eddie Ram was he, he drove a Howie Page. I think Howie was working for him maybe at uh, Bellinger's auto. Um, there was some sort of relationship there, I believe. And I think the last classic Eddie ran was in one of Howie's cars. It was either that or it was in an Ed Shea car because I think he ran one of those too. But, um, and then um, Brandon started running. So there was uh, the O2 literally has been in the Bellinger family or been run only by the Bellinger team, not to say Eddie, because uh, there were a couple different times in the, in the I think it was 85, when Eddie was jumping back and forth between the Matzik car and his own car, because I think he actually liked Skip's car. <laughs> so poor Richie Evans missed, had to miss a feature because Eddie needed the car. And then it was like Eddie kept going back to the car. But there was a moment when Warren Conium got in it. I don't think Warren actually raced it. He might have run a Concy with it. Um, but there was a moment when Conium drove it, and there was a moment when um, Mike Muldoon actually ran it as O2 when he bought it. But I'm I'm still counting that as you know Bellinger's number because you know he had just sold it, and so Mike the first night hadn't obviously hadn't repainted. It was the O2. So there are a couple of other drivers that drove it, but it's basically been in the Bellinger family for 50 years. Holy cow. Like it's those little stats that probably to half of you doesn't matter, but <laughs> to the, for, for someone who has been around as long as I have, I that is, that is one of those stats 
And so when I think about it now, does that make the Bellinger family? Was there a gap between when Eddie stopped racing and when Brandon started? I think there might have been a little bit um, of a gap, but maybe not much. Um, They may be the longest tenured consistently running family in Speedway history. Because the Joyas are not running. Um, There is no Champagne running now. Um, Trying to think who else even would have been in that conversation. I mean, Jimmy Muldoon, well, I mean, but Michael really hasn't been a regular. Muldoon's would have been probably the next in line, but there's, there, again, Michael has not been a regular at the Oswego Speedway. I guess if you said um, to run at least one race, then Muldoon's would be second. I don't think Jimmy, because Eddie's dad ran well before Jimmy started, I I, I would think, right? Yeah, so um, I think the Bellingers may be the longest tenured family, longest running active family in Oswego Speedway history. That's crazy. Like I just to think about that, you know, and it really shows you the, um, the, the amazing, how long Oswego has been running. First of all, I mean, what, what was it? 52. When did the track was in the fifties. So, that you know that the that this year's a 67th classic i mean my goodness gracious just to think about you know there i wonder exactly what year ed eddie senior eddie b senior started that is just crazy to think about that how long there's been a bellinger now if there was a gap then you know but still you know, Bellingers and Muldoons are the two that come to mind because Steve and Joya hasn't raced in quite a while. Now, Steve's still involved there in, in the tech part of it. But um, um, but Steven is not driven. There's been no Joya on the track for quite a while. Um, you know, and, and then uh, the other one would be now, again, this one would have technically stopped because... Joe Hawksby started in the mid seventies and then Joey started in 97. Joe stopped. Joey started in 97. I think it was, but then Joey stopped racing. Now again, he's still involved, but as far as driving, you know, um, or owning, I guess, even if you said, um, there was a gap there for the Hawksby's too, but, um, it's just crazy to think about stuff like that. It just shows you how long the track's been around and how old some of us are because they're, I mean, you know, I'm not as old as uh, some of you are. I remember, and I go back to 73 and, 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 you know, basically the start of Eddie B's career, right? Him and Steve started at about the same time. Him and Steve Joya, roughly the same time, 72-ish, um, 73. So, um, again, just crazy to... Crazy to think about that. And, of course, then you start thinking about the fact that Joe Gozik's been racing since 1980. 
you know, this is what year, 40, 43? Insane. Absolutely insane. What if Joe Gozik won the Classic this year? What would happen in the grandstand if Joe Gozik ever won the Classic this year? What, what, how amazing would that be? If Joe Gozik, and look, I, I mean, it hasn't been his best season, but you know what? The, the Classic's a strange race. It's 200 laps. What would be the reaction if Double O Joe won the Classic at like, what, 67 years old? I mean, that would just be amazing, wouldn't it? Again, it's classic time. You got to be excited. You got to, you know, you got to, you got to think about that stuff. It's just fun. Um, It's what we do here on this show. So um, we're going to wrap it up there. And uh, we got much more coverage coming um, before the classic starts and uh, working on something for classic day that we hope we could do that will be fun. Um, for those who can't make it to the track or those who are at the track and, you know, just want to, uh, want to follow along. We're, we're working on something. I don't know if I can put this together, but I'm trying. I've got a wild idea, a fun idea. I wouldn't call it wild, but certainly fun idea and something I've been wanting to do for a while. And maybe we've, maybe we've got a way to do it now. So we'll see if that happens. If not, it will eventually. It's just a matter of figuring out the technology to, to do it right. So either way, we're going to be, um, we're going to be contenting all the way through classic weekend and, um, trying to kind of work alongside the events as they happen. And so we hope you'll, um, stay with steering wheel nation because that's where all of it's going to be, uh, a lot of it. So, um, but we'll have, um, well, much more even, uh, in, you know, in, in this week and a half or so before, uh, before the racing starts. So, uh, hope you enjoyed the show and, uh, keep praying for, for Dave Schillick's finger to heal, because, um, I know we all kind of have fun talking about, you know, who could be in the car if, if he's not, but I don't think any of us, I would certainly hope none of us actually want him to have to miss the classic. Um, so, you know, we, we hope that Dave can get back in the car and drive and go chase it. And, um, so, uh, prayers for, for Dave for, for healing and, and here's hoping everybody else can get their cars back in shape. Uh, we only had a few the other night that, uh, that got messed up to any great degree. Good to have Sean Goslin back at the track for sure. Um, we'll try and, uh, check on his status here and, like I said, we're just going to keep stuff coming. Keep your eye on um, steeringwheelnation.com. Our Facebook is at the Wheel Nation, at the Wheel Nation. You all need to follow that. If you're not already doing it, hit hit the follow or the like, whatever it is. I get confused between socials. But uh, hit the button to like or follow that on Facebook. We're also on Instagram, at the Wheel Nation, if you're on that platform. We exist on X or Twitter or whatever they're calling it this week, but... Um, that's not a strong platform. The groove actually has a better presence there. Um, I am coach Tom and C on there on X. If you're on that platform, follow me, um, coach Tom and C. And then, um, I think it's the groove show at the groove show on Twitter. 
or X or whatever. X, I guess. I should just start calling it X, but it just sounds dumb. Sorry. Uh, but um, so we're on that we're on that platform too with with the Groove Show. But Steering Wheel Nation is where uh, we're we've actually got we I've I've already some of you may notice as I start posting going forward here. Some of you may notice something slightly different about the look of the posts. It offers you an option to register. Please do. What you're registering for is not, we're not going to spam you. It's nothing like that. We've got a community. We're building a community. We've got a community app. And it's the coolest thing. We haven't officially, officially launched it yet because we're still adding some stuff to it and but it's there and we're publishing from it. So you may notice uh, this week that um, some of the things you see on Steering Wheel Nation, the domain is not the same. It will be soon. It'll all be steeringwheelnation.com. It's going to replace our website. This thing is crazy. It's a cool, cool deal. And um, it's been built in two weeks. Took two weeks to build. (laughs) Um, Actually, we're going into our third week, but yeah. And it's, it's, it's nothing I've told you about before. This was something I saw uh, online and, and inquired about and ended up uh, building a partnership with because it is an amazing tool. We've got all kinds of channels on there for you to follow, communities, categories. Um, you know, there's there's NASCAR, there's IndyCar, there's F1, and we're going to be, again, I've always wanted to be a hub. Wasn't supposed to all be original content. I wanted to be a hub, and I wanted it uh, to be all in one place. You can come and find all your content all in one place. And choose what you wanted. This thing is incredible. Um, it curates a specific newsletter for every single um, subscriber, every single user. Um, you get your own personalized newsletter based on only the categories you choose to follow. And it also knows if you've seen a piece of content or not. If you have, it won't send it to you in the newsletter. It's amazing. This thing is incredible. It does so many things and it, and we're going to use this to build a community and do some of the things I've always wanted to do like giveaways and op- have opportunities and we will live stream. Uh, we'll be able to live stream inside it. It's, it's great. And basically it's, it's a social type app. So you'll notice you can comment like, you know, all that on there. So um, free of charge. The only the only uh, subscription we've got right now is is our uh, behind the wall, and we're we we hit pause on that uh, in the spring just because we had some things we were working on, and finally now with this, we're now on the gateway to to actually relaunching that the right way. Um, getting back to the magazine, everybody that subscribed to the magazine um, is still going to get four issues of the magazine, and um, you're all just on pause. And you'll get uh, you'll get those. We're we're working on stories for the for for the next issue, which will be technically the first one. Um, we launched the preview issue last fall, and we're still doing that. We wanted the community first, and that didn't happen. <laughs> so um, we're kind of correcting our our uh, not error because it wasn't our fault, but we're 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 going back to the original plan. So the community is going to launch and. Um, but uh, yeah, so the app, the community apps out there, we want to grow it. We have a super modified community going to start putting as much content in there as I can. Um, you know, as we go into the off season, we, but you know, again, um, it needs your, it needs your participation. 
we want numbers in there, right? That's we want we want to make this huge. So um, we're gonna be able to do some things with this now that I couldn't do with my other website, and uh, even with social. And you know, I just know that when I put something out on social, not everybody in even in my following sees it. It just doesn't show it to everybody. Socials are bad now. So that's why we built this. And so we want, this is the equivalent basically of a, of a private super modified community where everybody that's subscribed will see everything that happens. And, you know, it'll, it'll be a a lot better than trying to, to do this through Facebook. And it's kind of, it, it will function sort of like a Facebook group. So excited about all of that. Again, it's already, already, uh, it's 95% done. Um, but we're, we're publishing from it while we're finishing it up. So, um, you know, we hope you enjoy that. And if you see a post about super modifieds and it gives you the option to register at the top, please do, because we want to grow, want to grow this. We want to get, uh, we want to do something nice and be able to, this is, this is how I hope to be able to contribute more to the future of super modified racing, but I can't do it without fans. If we only have five people in there, we're not going to be, we're not going to get much done. So, uh, you know, we're, we're going to try to have fun with this and, um, and really make it nice as we go, um, into the fall and winter and same with the other communities that are there. If you like other forms of racing and you see a channel, um, it's going to give you the option of which channels you want content from or want to join. So go ahead and just join them. You're not, again, we're not spamming. We're, uh, this is designed to be fun and it's designed to be a place you can come and get all your motorsports fix in one spot. Um, you know, this is how we're going to kind of sneak in breaking news and whatever and commentary. And I'm going to be able to put a lot of content that I really don't have a place for. And we're going to have some other folks as we go to that are going to be dropping content and, and podcasts for you to watch and listen to. And, um, like I said, this is uh, this is basically the culmination of three years of hard work, and it ended up being a software that I just saw, and it it's um it's fairly new to the public, but it's been around for gosh about I guess about ten years. Um, they've done some great uh, charity fundraising work with it uh, with countries like South Africa. Um, the story of this 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 uh, particular app is is just awesome. And so happy to be working with those folks and privileged to be the first motorsports entity to have one. And we are excited to hopefully be a catalyst to add more. And then we've still got the magic platform that's um, still in the works for us. And we're going to be using pieces from that as well as we go forward. So a lot to look forward to here. Um, Sorry, I kept you a little longer than I expected. I wasn't going to announce all that, but it just seemed the right time since I'm already publishing from it anyway. So if you see it and it sort of looks different to you, don't worry about it. And and I would hit the register button because you're going to have some opportunities to win stuff where we're doing. We're going to do some uh, some fun, fun stuff like that Um, and uh, polling and just, you know, just having some fun on the race days, too. That's, that's the other thing. So, uh, it'll be a gathering spot on the race days. So there you go. Um, that's it. Thanks again to Jeff West and IPC Indy, Sean Cathcart and LaGroff's pub slash skips fish fry and rich worth J and S paving. 
Um, and until the next Inside Groove Show, hint, there will be another Groove Show before the Classic. And we'll also have some other content we're working on, too. So uh, until the next Groove Show, I'm Tom Baker. Thanks for listening. So long. You've been listening to Inside Groove, powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Find them on the web at www.ipcindy.com. Inside Groove is a Race Chaser Media production. For more exciting and passionate motorsport content, follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, and visit racechasermedia.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliate, or marketing partners of Race Chaser Media. No part of this show may be reproduced in any manner without the expressed written consent of Race Chaser Media. Thank you for listening.